Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur looking to take your business skills to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Enterprise Now Show. Prepare to be inspired, motivated, and transformed. And now, your host, LZ Flinnard. Can I get it? Oh, yeah. What's up, Enterprisers? Welcome to episode 61 of the Enterprise Now podcast, where we inspire, motivate, and educate business owners and entrepreneurs into success. That is what we do. We help folks launch, grow, and maximize. In this episode, I talk with Dan Trzinski of Platypus Advertising and Design. Dan tells us about how he got his start in the advertising industry, which stems from growing up in an entrepreneurial family and trying his hand at broadcasting. He talks about the ever-changing advertising landscape and how it is quickly evolving into digital. We also chat about what he thinks is the best way to find success. All right, let's dig in. All right, Dan, can I get an oh yeah? Oh yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So first of all, let me say thank you so much for being on the show. Um, uh, people at home, you don't know this, but I've been arm wrestling Dan to come on the show for a while now. And I finally <laughs> have him in the flesh live person to person. So I'm super excited to hey, sit I'm down with to be you. Here. Um, one of the things that I, that I like to do, Dan, is to get to know the person behind the business. So um, I want you to tell us about yourself. And when I say that, I mean, you're welcome to go all the way back to the <laughs> day you were born. I've heard your show. So or I know you the can drill. start more current day. Tell us about yourself. Well, I was born in Milwaukee and I'm not going to. I'm not going to, this isn't going to be a step by step all the way through, but, uh, it was the typical, I couldn't get more happy days than that. My mom worked at Allen Bradley, my dad at Briggs and Stratton and lived on the south side of Milwaukee until I was five. And then, uh, I know your show is about entre entrepreneurship and my dad left his job here and moved back to their hometown, which is Stevens Point and started his own drywall contracting business. So I'm a second generation entrepreneur. Ah. So from that time on back in the sixties, you know, he'd never worked for anyone else ever again the rest of his, his career. So even in the the 70s, when mortgage rates were 20% and no one was building houses and it was that, then he, he bought a tavern. So I was, my teenage years, we were uh, uh, tavern owners. My, my mother always had another job, but, uh, but I kind of grew up in an entrepreneurial family. So that was kind of a natural thing for me to aspire to because I always saw the the trials and tribulations of he had lots of employees. He was his own guy. He different phases of, of reinventing businesses, you know, throughout my, my youth. So talk a little bit about how that, that shaped your perspective. I know you, you alluded to it, uh, to it a little bit, but growing up, did you ever want to do anything else other than, um, own your own business or were you? 
Well, sure. Then the one thing being the son of a drywall contractor is you knew that you never wanted to be a drywall contractor. <laughs> <laughs> so you graduate high school, you go to school, and then I thought I was... I wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, then I realized that you had to go to class for that. <laughs> <laughs> like minor that was, detail. <laughs> yeah, that was that was really thing. But um, uh, I did a lot of broadcast work when I was in high school. Uh, I was always interested in broadcasting, and when I learned that, I didn't really have uh, what it took to become uh, a lawyer. Or the school skills to do that. You know, I wasn't getting anywhere with C's in college. So uh, I did a little path change and uh, I got into, I was always interested in radio. So I got into, uh, thought I wanted to be a sportscaster. You know, don't have to know much about that. I love sports and let's give that a shot. So after graduating, uh, I got my first job in radio and I was missing one big piece uh, of making it. And that is uh, when they call it on-air talent. You have to have talent. <laughs> so you had the on-air part. I had the on-air cold. I, 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 you know, got A's in school. I, I, I knew how to run the gear. I knew, but then when you really get there, and my first job was a little radio station in Harvard, Illinois, and I got hired to do the news. And my first day on the air was the day Reagan was shot. Oh wow! And when you make that the fifth story in the news. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> You're, it, you know, it, it just, it was a different era. You know, there weren't TV monitors and 24 seven news cycles. You literally had a, a teletype machine and, mm. you know, it, you'd spit out, read the news. And I was nervous. I was, I didn't pre-read anything. I just grabbed the wire copy and started reading news. And by the time I got to the fifth story, two and a half hours ago, oh, no. was oh. so it was a horrible time. And, and I pretty much figured I was getting fired on my first day. And, uh, the general manager was very sympathetic and said to me, pulled me into the office. And I thought this was it. And, uh, he said, you know, there's, there was a disc jockey in Chicago at the time. His name was Larry Lujak and he made hundred thousand dollars a year. And, you know, it was a big deal, you know, in, 1980 to be making a hundred thousand dollars a year as being a disc jockey and probably still is today. He said, you know, for every Larry Lujak making, I'll never forget these words for every Larry Lujak making a hundred thousand dollars a year, there's about 10,000 guys making 175 bucks a week. And you will probably always be one of those guys. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> That's brutal. <laughs> so he goes, but you know, you can write and you've got a decent personality and, you know, why don't you think about, um, if you want to stay in broadcasting, getting into media sales, you know, you can write commercials, you can voice commercials, you can talk to people. I just was happy that he wanted to give, he wanted to keep me as a job. I just moved up, you know, from central Wisconsin down to Northern Illinois and, and, uh, and so that's how it progressed. You know, I went, uh, I started selling radio. I still got to do some high school sports and kind of get my, my feet wet in that, but then moved to the larger market. I worked for WKTI radio here in Milwaukee after that. And then I moved into television all in the media sales side of things. So advertising was really then in my blood and my background. And I was decent enough at sales where, and, uh, young enough. And then that entrepreneurial fire kind of started to kick in I wanted to try something on my own. Uh, I saw, you know, the advertising business as, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm selling to ad agencies. I'm in ad agencies. I see what they do. Didn't necessarily always agree with everybody's strategy that was going forward. I'm like, you know, I want to try this. And I'm young enough to where I know I can always go back and do that. And that was 30 years ago in June. And we're still here. 
Awesome. Awesome. So, I'm going to backtrack because sure. I have a question um, to follow up on that, on your, your path. Uh, but tell me a little bit about um, what you like to do. What's uh, one of your favorite things to do? I like to fish. Fish. Yeah. So that if I'm not, it's the one thing, you know, I, there's, there's people that have, you know, hobbies and then there's passions and I have a lot of hobbies, but fishing's a passion where, okay. where, where you can, it's the one thing I can do. If I go play four hours of golf, I still never turn work off, you know, and that's probably why I'm a lousy golfer. So mm-hmm. you're, you're just, you know, you're doing it and it's fun and I enjoy it, but mm-hmm. I don't love it. Mm-hmm. And when I'm out on the water, my dad or buddies, whatever it is, I can turn off the world and I'm thinking about nothing else, but what I'm doing right there in that moment. And that's really a, a way of recharging your batteries. My first, my first boss at WKTI was, he was really big on people taking time off. And, uh, and I've always remembered that too is, you know, he, he said, you know, Dan, you can't chop down the forest unless you stop and sharpen the ax every now and then you got to get away mm-hmm. and you got to come up with something that you can get away and turn it off. And so that always, you know, Grew up fishing. My dad was a big fisherman. Grandparents were fishermen. So that's, that's, if I'm not doing what I'm, what I'm doing on a daily basis, I'm probably on the water somewhere, even if it's frozen. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so of all the things that you are good at, what would you say your superpower is? Fishing aside. So from a, from a, what I've always been able to do, I think is understanding a company's sales channels and processes very quickly because I came from a sales background and, you know, marketing is, you know, pre-sales, you know, you, you have to have marketing before you have sales. And we work with a variety of different clients. And that's, I think the thing that makes me connect with our customer base really quickly is 20 minutes into the conversation. If it's a business that I've never heard of, never walked into before, you know, okay, I got it. I know how I know how, you know, A goes to B goes to C and how you need to get your products, you know, whether I have the, the solution to sell more at that point, mm-hmm. but I understand the channel and the process really quick. Gotcha. And, uh, and there's just a lot of similarities. I don't care if you're selling cosmetics or auto parts, you have to move product from A to B to C mm-hmm. and collect some money in the, in the process. So, mm-hmm. uh, that, that, that always came easy to me. And I think that probably part of that growing up where I always had to watch my dad, whether it was in the drywall business or the tavern business, you had to get customers and you had to understand, you know, how to keep customers and, you know, just being around that my whole life, I think taught me more about what I do today than I ever learned in school. Gotcha. Gotcha. One of the things that I, I always like to highlight is more specifically than just overcoming challenges, but the mindset and the approach to how successful entrepreneurs and business owners approach those things. So how do you overcome challenges? What's your, your mindset and how do you, how do you approach those? Well, if you've been in business for 30 years, you're going to have, you've, you've, we've had plenty of challenges. And I think understanding that, that feeling is okay. And it's part of the learning process. Not every decision you're going to make is going to be the right one. Not every hire you're going to make is the right one. Not every uh, engagement or client in, 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 that you uh, engage with is going to be the right one. But you keep trying and you learn from it and you try to not repeat mistakes. And when you find yourself in that challenging time, I'm always learning from the people that have been in my life for all these years and, you know, whether it's bosses or clients or, or uh, employees, avoid the roller coaster. Don't get too high when it's high. 
don't get too low when it's low because it's going to keep swinging back and forth. And that's just, that's just life as a business owner. So you can't quit. You can, but then it's over. But, uh, you know, and you just, okay, what have I learned? How do I apply it? How do we move forward? Gotcha. So what would you say your keys to success are? Really, it's the people that I've both worked for, worked with. You know, I, I've really been blessed for it with even my career before the agency, the coworkers that I've had, the bosses that I've had, and then in my own business, the employees that I've had, the clients that I've had. I've, I've learned from everybody. I mean, I'm you know, I've heard you say that over and over again. You love learning, and you and and it's it's why you do what you do. And I feel really the same way. I I've learned from great employees. I've learned from not so great employees, you know, <laughs> of, of, on the what not to do. And again, it's just always remembering, always applying, you know, what you've learned. And I've learned a tremendous amount from our clients. And uh, I started this business at a very young age and most of my contemporaries and my clients were much my senior and, you know, not necessarily going in with all the answers, but really becoming a partner and helping them to arrive at a solution, I think is really done us well is, you know, you know, not everybody likes to know it all all the time, you know, <laughs> and the fact that we're going to, you know, I have this experience, you have that experience. They know more about their business than I'll ever know. But if they, if I can get them to tell me a little bit about what the problems that they're, they're having, whether it relates to advertising, marketing, branding, I can, use my experiences and my experiences with other people and we'll find the solution together. So this is one of, of those questions that um, I found it was, it was difficult for me, uh, but you wouldn't believe how many people would say the same person. Um, but I'm going to throw this out there um, and ask if you could meet anyone in the world yeah. and we'll, we'll qualify that by saying that's alive today. Okay. Who would it be? And what would you say to them? Okay. Well, I've heard you ask this question before, so I'm I, I'm coming a little bit prepared because it was like that. That's the tough one. I've heard you. One. I've heard you it's ask that question, um, and and I always like um, to add a little bit pre of pressure by saying you're you're getting into the elevator and you have about two minutes before. Oh, that's it. Yeah, you have oh, two, would, you have two minutes. Oh, I would need yeah. more so time. So you, you can probably person. get one quick question in, oh. and the rest of the time is their answer. Wow. Um, well, I, I can't change my person at this point because it, it's somebody that I would really, I would really like to meet. And, um, you know, all political commentary, and I hate people getting into politics, but mm -hmm. just from as an interesting person, George H.W. Bush. Okay. Um, and, you know, the guy was a president. He was a vice president. He was a father of a president. He was the head of the CIA. Mm -hmm. He was an ambassador to the UN. Uh, he was a congressman. He was the youngest naval aviator in World War II. He dropped out of college when he was 18 to join the war right after Pearl Harbor. So hmm. he fought as Didn't a naval, avi naval aviator. So, I mean, you talk about an interesting life, you know, of all the people that he's met and all the people that he's touched, you know. So uh, I'd, I'd have a million questions. I mean, it's it's the uh, – I, I always thought of if, if you could, you know, if you could have dinner with somebody. I mean, I looked at it that way and, <laughs> and, and talked to somebody because, you know, the people that he knew, the things that he would know, the insights that he would have. Um, and I don't even care about his politics. It's just talk about an interesting person and an so interesting let's say, life. So let's just say so, the first question you would ask. If you were sitting down um, at dinner, the first question you would ask. What's really at Area 51? <laughs> Because being in the CIA and the president, he would he knows know. the answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we get back, I want to know all about Platypus, how you guys came to be, why you guys exist and why people should do business with you guys. Awesome. We'll be back right after this. Feeling stuck or overwhelmed in your business, having trouble putting ideas into action, not getting the results you want? Your business is in need of a coach, an experienced professional that motivates, provides honest feedback, and helps develop an action plan for your success. Did you know that 50% of businesses fail within the first five years? This doesn't have to be your business. You can now get all the help you need to succeed. Just visit Enterprise Now at enterprise-now.biz. Enterprise Now is a business development firm that specializes in providing business training, seminars, online training courses, and business coaching for business owners and entrepreneurs. That's enterprise-now.biz. Why wait? Take your business to the next level. We'll take your vision and your goals and deliver accountability motivation, and an action plan so you and your business will succeed. Don't become a statistic. Visit us at enterprise-now.biz. Increase profits, grow your business, and improve your business skills today. Enterprise-now.biz. All right, we are back. I am in the studio with Dan Trzinski of Platypus Advertising and Design. I am super excited because I have been literally hounding Dan to come on the show. I'm like, Dan, you have to come on the show. He's like, All right, I will, I will. I'm like, Dan, you have to come on the show. And he's finally here. So I'm so excited. Uh, I know I've, I've learned uh, a ton from Dan already. So, and again, I love, love, love to meet cool people and to learn from them and from their experiences. So um, mission accomplished. I've learned so much Thanks. and I'm hoping to continue to do so. But We've learned um, a little bit about you. You've told us um, kind of how you're a second generation entrepreneur, about your dad and uh, your favorite thing to do. We know your superpower. We know how you overcome challenges. We have some keys to success. We know who you would meet and what you would ask them. Tell us about your biz. Tell us about Platypus, how you guys came to be and all the all the details. Give us give us everything. Well, Platypus the in its in its current state was reinvented in 2005 uh, i started the company back in 1987 but we rebranded ourselves we're branding advertising marketing design firm so we took ourselves through our own process in 2005 because you know the world was changing a little bit i mean our in 30 years advertising marketing design has been reinvented countless times uh, especially as technology is has accelerated the offerings. But at the time, we I, I had met a gentleman by the name of Gary Haas, who's our associate partner, creative director, just an awesome gentleman. And his background was very diverse from mine. Mine was very much in the consumer retail advertising world where you know, whether it was shoe stores, car dealers, shopping malls, you know, basically the 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 common things people see when you, when you think of advertising. Gary's background was much more in corporate branding, design, corporate communications, so business to business side of things. And what we found when we, we met each other and started talking is, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of similarities from, you know, you know, it's called business to business marketing, but it's still a person buying something from another person. And whether it's business to consumers, people have to be involved in the process. But he, he had a better understanding. I mean, I always, you know, I studied branding. I met plenty of people, but he had a better grasp on that than anybody I've ever met in my life and learned a tremendous amount from him. And, and then we were bringing on, so he, he came on board 
and changed our client base quite a bit because um, some clients followed him and and we were doing different work. Our we added digital and social media, Google ad, you know, the Facebook, Google, all that stuff was coming on 2005, 12 years, 13 years ago now, it, you know, it was just becoming a thing. So we added some people in those disciplines to the traditional radio, television, outdoor things that we were doing. Public relations, we brought a public relations director on in-house and where most agencies were at that time were becoming very niche focused where they were going, we're a digital shop, we're a design shop, we're a advertising, we're a media buying service. We went the other way where we were bringing all those things under one roof. So when we went through our own branding for the worst client we ever had ourselves as, you know, eight months of sticky wall exercises and everything that we do for other people, doing it for yourself is like a dentist trying to pull his own teeth, I think. But we came up with a platypus in nature has the bill of a duck, tail of a beaver, fur of an otter, a mammal that lays eggs, got a venomous stinger on its back legs. So web feet in the front, claws in the back. It's got all these different things, but it's one remarkable animal. And all the different components that I just said a few seconds ago of, you know, Gary's background being more business to business and corporate branding, mine being consumer advertising, PR, social media, motion graphics. We do audio video internally. So all of those people, things, all those different disciplines under one roof is our platypus. So it's more memorable than having our name on the door. No one can spell Trzinski. I had a partner early on and, you know, that was the, you know, we had just our two names on the door. So it just made more sense to, to call the thing platypus. And that's worked out really well for us. So it's, it's memorable. It allows us to kind of tell that story about all the different things that we do in that two minute elevator speech. And we work with a wide variety of clients. Um, everything from that traditional local retailer, uh, in the Milwaukee area to global brands that we do corporate communications for the, world of advertising is moving away from that kind of traditional agency of record, you know, where you're the one thing that vertical niching that I was talking about that still exists and that there's a reason for that. But platypus being a platypus allows us to come into the door through a lot of different verticals and having those spaces. And then all of a sudden we're doing, you know, we may come in through the door of branding and corporate communications, but then they'll need advertising or they'll need social media or they'll need, one of the other disciplines and some agencies, we, you know, we, we play well with others. We work with cut with many brands that have multiple agencies and, you know, we're part of that team. We work with a lot of in-house departments. That's another thing that has changed our industry is with the invention of technology. I mean, you used to have uh, tape decks and, you know, gear and stuff like that. Well, now everything's on a laptop and you're, you're video, you know, the, the telephone, your, your iPhone has more computing power now than, uh, you know, can people can make videos, but just because the technology is there, I always use the analogy as, you know, I may own a chisel, but it doesn't make me a sculptor, you know, <laughs> and that's, and there is some art and science to what we do and using the technology to do it. You can make a video on your iPhone, but having professionals make a video for you, it, you know, and, and it is not saying that 
people don't make good videos on iPhones mm-hmm. and that work and that sell product or, or get a message across. Uh, it really just depends on the need. And we're able to scale up or scale down to meet the needs of whatever, you know, maybe that's all you need. But sometimes there's, you need the crew and the helicopter or the drone now, you know, mm-hmm. helicopters are even out of vogue. They <laughs> used to have helicopter shots when we we're doing television station promos and flying over the, the Milwaukee shoreline and, you know, now you get a drone get and a, a drone. GoPro and there you go. So <laughs> things have become more efficient. So it's been a fun ride. You mentioned a little bit uh, about how you guys came to be. Um, and you mentioned you met Gary and he was probably the most um, knowledgeable person in his respective area. Um, one of the things uh, or the, the, the themes that I always uh, like to talk about is humility, um, self-awareness. And uh, being able to recognize that you're not the smartest person in the room. Uh, talk a little That's bit about that. That's real easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> talk a little bit about that. Because being a, a business owner, entrepreneur, in and of itself, you have to have a, a certain confidence and you have to have a, a, a certain ability to kind of motivate and uh, self-propel yourself. But at the same time, you have to have the self-awareness and the humility to say, that guy is good at what yep. he does. He's better than me. Let's collaborate. Let's partner. Talk a little bit about that. You, it, it's all about that's the, the only way you're going to be successful is is surrounding yourself with people that are better than yourself. Because if if you're the if you're the bottom of the funnel, if if it's never, you're never going to grow beyond you or what your capabilities are, or what you can do. So you have to have talented people around you, and you know, being able to, I think, being a a good entrepreneur, a good leader is is somebody that can identify talent and attract talent and then nurture talent and collaborate. Uh, Even in my jobs before I had my own business, I mean, when I, when I worked at WISN television, WKTI radio, I mean, those, those places were just chock full of very, very talented people. And I was again, blessed to have worked with some of, some of the smartest people, the media business and was just, a sponge and, you know, and learning from them and applying, you know, what you, what you learn. But as a business owner, it's, it's really about, you know, getting the right team around you or it's never going to grow beyond you. Gotcha. The other thing that I I just learned is that platypuses have venomous stingers. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's the male platypus. I mean, I'm going to, I haven't researched this. We did all the research in 2005, so you got to bear with me. So if if somebody fact checks you on this, but I think it's only the male of the species has a venomous stinger that can, that, that is, wouldn't, it wouldn't harm a human or it'd make you sick, but it could kill like a small dog or a fox or something that's trying to kill it. Hmm. So it's it's on one of the two hind legs. It's, and really, it's, it's. It's really bizarre, yeah. It's a, that uh, is bizarre. It's a mammal that lays eggs that suckles its young. Um, <laughs> I think there's only two of those in the, in the world, but and they're not that big. They're only they're only like 12 pounds. They're like a small dog. Wow. So I've seen I've seen them at the zoo. The awe moment that I always get is a baby platypus is called a puggle. A puggle. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that's just you know another another fun thing and but. So we have a lot of fun with the name and, and it's playful and, and gotcha. fits. One more question before we kind of wrap things up here. Um, I, I, I hear in your story and in your background, uh, there were several times when you had to pivot. Talk a little bit about pivoting 
And how do you know when the right time is to pivot? Well, I always try to be a what's next guy, you know, so... Uh, even as we're sitting here talking about podcasting, I mean, I really think you're on to something. And it's one of the things I've learned from you. And I, I, I really mean that by saying I'm surrounding myself with, with people that are always smarter than me. But you're, you're always looking for to identify not just something that's trendy, but trends, you know, and where things are going. And we were ahead of the curve. You know, we built our first website in 1997. And, you know, that, that, that's, when you think about it, it's like, you know, well, people today are like, well, websites just seem like they've always been there. But I mean, I'm talking about screens, you know, the little prodigy screens and stuff like that. And no one knew what a WWW was. And, and always trying to, to, you know, be on top of, of what's next, what's coming, uh, how things might be, be changing in our industry. And it's been really, the last five, seven years, it's just been an exponential ride. You know, I mean, it, it, a lot from 1987 to 1997, not nah, much changed. You know, it just, it was, there was four channels on TV. Oh, then cable came in and oh, that was a big thing. And, you know, so you could buy advertising on cable TV, but billboards were billboards and newspapers were newspapers. And now newspapers barely exist. It's all online. And social media, having customers being able to, to, to talk back, to review, to, I mean, it, it's, it's, I think it's made marketers, you know, there's goods and bads, but I, I think it's made brands more accountable because, you know, you used to, everything used to just be push, you know, you just push it, push, push messages out of there and hope you sell some products, you know, well, now you have to live up to your brand at every touch point because a couple bad reviews, the wrong thing said on Yelp or Facebook or whatever it happens and, and you've got a problem. And I've had customers, I've come to it's like, we've got horrible Google reviews. Can you help us? What, what, what do we do? And it's like, give better customer service. <laughs> you know, I mean, there isn't much you can do because the, the, the public can publish now mm-hmm. and everybody with a, and an iPhone is a, is a news source mm-hmm. with Twitter. So it, it's, it's holding brands more accountable and you have to be paying attention to reputation management. So I don't know if there's a, you know, there's a point of knowing when you have to pivot, you know, as a business, but you, you, you always got to be watching for what that next thing is. And, and sometimes that then means reinventing your service offerings or your business to, to catch up. Because if you just, Hey, if I just stuck with where we were in 1987 saying, you know, well, we're radio, we're television and, you know, we'll make some billboards for you and that's it. We would be gone. You know, you have to, you have to evolve with, with how things change. Now, a follow up to that is you mentioned being able to recognize trends not what's trendy correct help help me understand what the, what you, what you mean by that well that's what what social media is the, the easiest one because that's there so when you look at at things like okay social media as a whole is a trend it's it's a thing but there's lots of trendy platforms okay so facebook's got couple billion subscribers now, everything else. I mean, that's there to stick. Snapchat, oh, they're trying to nibble in on that and kids are going to Snapchat because mom and dad aren't on <laughs> Snapchat and, and and we get that. But, you know, that's probably, if I were a betting man, you know, 
that's probably one I wouldn't bet on. You know, I mean, if you watch their stock, you watch, you, you just, you, you take a look at more than just what the users are doing. Is you look at the company structure and you say, okay, that's hot now, but is that something that we're going to really put weight into and invest in from a standpoint of guiding our clients and our advertisers through? So you look at the category as a whole saying, we've got a, we've got a trend here that social media is a thing. And, you know, Facebook played the greatest bait and switch on, on the the world that because at one time it was like well it's free build an audience go out there you know get get people to like you get you know get get fans it was first it was fans and it changed to likes well all we did is build an audience for them that now they have content suppression so if you're a business page on facebook very little of your content that you post organically on your page actually gets to anybody that liked your page it's probably like around five percent but they'll sell you your audience back to you in a heartbeat, you know, and again, it's why I invested in that stock. And that's <laughs> because they knew, you know, early on that, okay, we, first we have to build an audience and we'll give that away and we'll have the public build the audience for us. But now it's their sandbox and you, it's pay to play. Mm. And it's a great platform. We, we, we use it for a lot of advertisers and very successfully. And it's just, you know, knowing how to navigate the, the pieces of it. And, Really, seven, eight years ago, people were hiring us to make Facebook posts for them and be their voice on Facebook because they didn't know how to do it or they didn't want to hire the people or whatever. We do very little of that now. Now it's almost all paid advertising. We're not the content generators for, and there are still companies that do that, but I saw that again as, you know, a, a trend that was going away because once they started suppressing content, the ability to generate content for someone became less valuable. So who wants to pay an outsource to do that if no one's going to see it? Mm. So we pivot more toward the paid part of the platforms, whether it's Google, Facebook, those are the two. I mean, in reality, there's Yahoo, there's Snapchat, there's different, you know, Twitter has never figured out how to monetize great service, Unbelievable. I, I always call that the postage stamp on the press release because, you know, there's more news being quoted on a daily basis as, you know, was breaking on Twitter, but they haven't figured out how to make that work for our industry or for, for an advertising industry. Great from a PR perspective, mm -hmm. but horrible advertising products. So that's another one that wouldn't bet on that one from a standpoint of until Google decides to buy them or somebody buys them and figures out how to how to monetize that platform. Got a lot of users and it's a great service. As we wrap things up, I always like to uh, pull out of uh, the guests uh, at least one uh, actionable step that uh, entrepreneurs and business owners can implement to improve their lives or businesses today. I would say the one that, and, I, and I'll probably be accused of not doing it well myself, but um, I try to or I strive to is hire slow and fire fast. Because hiring mistakes are horrible. They're horrible for the business. They're horrible for your culture. They're horrible for your other employees. And, and we all as entrepreneurs, I think we take too long once you've made that bad mistake or, you know, or, or once you realize you've made a mistake, do something about it then. Because in reality, you're stealing from yourself and you're stealing from that person. If they're not going to be a long-term person in your organization, you're doing them a favor by putting them on their nest because every day that they're 
hanging on and you're trying to fix it or trying to make it better, the reality is it's probably never going to work out and you're just biding time till something, until it's either you can't take it anymore or something better comes along or a, or a better option. And I don't think that's fair to the employee either. I mean, if they're not a fit, you really should do them a favor so they don't miss the next opportunity that could be a great fit for what their, what their skill set is. Um, so sometimes people, it's not that they're bad people, they just maybe miscast in the organization or the skills don't fit. Mm-hmm. So hire slow, fire fast, I think is something that I didn't invent that. I stole that from somebody else. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, that, but it, it's, it, it's something that, uh, I've, I've tried to, inst- you know, make myself live up to. I, like I said, I, I can't say that I've always done it, but I mean, it's, it's a difficult thing, right? And that, and that, I mean, that applies to if you're um, a solopreneur and you're working with a contractor or um, you're taking on a partner and or something happens that, as you said, you know, you know, in your you, gut, in your that gut. We, it's right. not going to work. But help yeah. us help us out with with that conversation. How do you how do you have that conversation? You're you're in a, in a partnership or you have a contractor and, you know, in your gut. This isn't going to work. How do you, because a, a lot of it is, uh, you, you don't want to burn bridges. You, right. you always want to treat people with res- respect and dignity. So, so how do you, how do you go about it? The, probably the, the way to, if you're trying to figure out a way to soften it or, or, or make it let, uh, make it less of an uncomfortable situation, I think is own up to your own mistake. You know, because the bottom line, if it didn't work out, whether you hired the wrong contractor or you hired the wrong employee, it's not necessarily always their fault. You made the mistake. You're the one who made the decision to make the, because you're the entrepreneur, you're, you're the one who made the decision. Mm-hmm. So own up to the mistake and explain why, why this isn't working. And I don't want to, again, waste their time or have them miss another opportunity or, get this to a place if it's a contract or something that's where this is going to get legal or it's going to get, you know, it's really spinning out of control. I made a mistake. We need to figure out how to rectify it and both get on with our lives. So we both are happy, healthy businesses. And maybe we are past cross again. Maybe we, you know, I have, I have ex employees that have gone on to work at other companies that have hired us as their marketing firm. Cause they're still in the industry, you know, just, because it, it just wasn't a fit at the time mm-hmm. and, or they've left on their own because they've had another opportunity and come back. So I totally agree with, you know, you, you don't want to burn a bridge. And, and I think if you own up to that, you're part of the problem because you're the one who made the decision. And if they can learn from it of saying, you know, here's why I think this isn't working and what, what the shortcomings are, just be honest and, you know, don't, don't play games and say that you know, this isn't a fit anymore. Gotcha. So thanks again for, for visiting with us. I know uh, the listeners are going to get a ton because I have notes over here. Um, and I've gotten a lot out of, of the conversation. Um, so how can people get in touch with you if they want to reach out and, and connect? They're, uh, well, if I know again, the the whole right rule of podcast, right? Is you put this all in the show notes, but you can reach us on my emails, Dan at platypus hyphen ad.com. And I will generally answer all of my emails within a day or two. So, uh, if you reach out to me via email, you can call our offices, uh, 262-522-8181. Uh, we'll take your phone call. I'm, uh, 
I'm a LinkedIn guy, so you can reach out to me on if you've got an in-mail or something like that, or try to connect on LinkedIn, find my profile there. Uh, I'm a big LinkedIn guy. I love that platform. I've been, I was a very early adapter. I think I was in the first six months of them turning that on. I had a profile up and I'm glad to say, and, and for the like five years, and I was like, what are you talking about? And now it's really, you know, it is the Facebook of business and. That's like my morning newspaper. I mean, I'll just spend time there just seeing what's going on, what's going on with companies that I follow, people that I follow. Um, so that's probably the the quickest and easiest way because I'm seeing, I'm looking at that every day. And, and sometimes the inbox um, and your email gets a little bit cluttered. So if you hit me up on LinkedIn, I'll probably find you quicker. Awesome. Awesome. So thanks again to Dan for uh, joining us. Tons of tons of cool golden nuggets, as I like to call them, uh, for you guys. Don't forget to go out to the website, um, enterprise-now.biz slash three P's and sign up for the mailing list. And you're going to get uh, the three P's of empowerment worksheet. You have to know your passion. You have to know your purpose. You have to know your path and where those intersect. So go on the website, download that free worksheet and feel free to send it to me. I'm curious to know what you guys are coming up with. I did a talk not too long ago and I asked the question if uh, the, the folks in the room knew their passion about a, not even a quarter of the hands went up. And I posed the same question. Do you know your purpose? Not even a quarter of the hands. Same thing with path. Not even a quarter of the, of the hands went up. And I was stunned because, uh, th- these are things that we, we should know. So this worksheet will help you, um, write those things down and to embrace them and to get in your awesome zone. Awesome zone is what I call it. So go to the website, download that worksheet, send it to me. Let me know what you guys come up with. And, uh, in the meantime, you guys keep up the awesome and we'll talk to you next week. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email, mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.